Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. Special Counsel John Durham, who was appointed by now former Attorney General William Barr to investigate the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia probe, has just indicted lawyer Michael Sussman for misrepresenting himself as a concerned citizen to the FBI while giving the Bureau false information about Trump's connections to Russians. Sussman was actually a lawyer paid for by the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign, presenting to the FBI false information, also paid for by the Clinton campaign. This is only the second indictment Durham has delivered since he started his probe in April 2019. Durham's previous indictment of FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith for altering an email to fraudulently get permission to surveil Trump's foreign policy advisor, Carter Page, resulted in Kleinsmith getting 12 months probation and 400 hours of community service. All that, says my guest today, is barely the tip of an enormous iceberg of corruption and criminal activity that still hides the crime at the heart of Russiagate. In the course of his own legal work tied to Russiagate, Texas attorney Ty Clevenger has filed numerous Freedom of Information Act requests and legal actions against the FBI and other government agencies. My interview with him began with his assessment of the Sussman indictment. That was a head spinner. I, I have to say I had given up all hope on John Durham, and now I think he may actually uh, accomplish something. That's a 27-page uh, indictment that could have been done in one or two pages um, and typically would be done in one or two pages, which begs the question, why did he throw so much detail in there? Um, I've heard different types of speculation. One is that uh, maybe there's a deal going on with Sussman where he only gets indicted for the one thing, but Durham kind of gets to lay out the broader picture. I don't know. Okay, um, but let's talk about the details Sure. Of this indictment. Now, talk about who Michael Sussman is. Sure. Former, former DOJ lawyer. He has right. national. He has uh, national security. National practice. Cred oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. National, national security, security credentials. Right. OK. And he gets hired by uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign. Well, he was actually a partner at Perkins Coey which is like at the heart of all this Russia collusion fiasco. And uh, I, th I think uh, Mark Elias was probably the one that pulled in the business from the campaign. But nonetheless, Sussman was a major player in the Hillary Clinton. Who's Mark Elias? Mark Elias was the chair of the uh, political practice, they called it, at Perkins Coey. Um, but they were exclusively, so far as I know, exclusively represented Democrat candidates. Oh, OK. And that's why in The New York Times, when they were talking about Sussman and they were trying to sort of um, clean up Perkins Cole a little bit, they said, oh, uh, Sussman was working uh, for another branch of Perkins Co Perkins Co's uh, uh, legal practice. Uh, he wasn't working for the political branch. He was working for another branch, which is kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. that, completely fabricated distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was very interesting that the New York Times is, is trying to clean up a little bit for them, even though this this whole thing is so damning. OK, so talk about what Michael Sussman did and with who. Yeah. So uh, Sussman goes to the FBI general counsel and makes this presentation that the Trump organization is supposedly has, or supposedly has this back channel uh, communication with a Russian bank. And they use that as a pretext to initiate the, this, this investigation and ultimately spins into the whole Russia collusion fiasco. Um, but the backstory, what starts to come out, well, in, in the course of that interview with, with the general counsel, Sussman says he's not representing any particular client. He presents himself as coming in as a good citizen. And as you mentioned, this guy's got a security clearance. He's former DOJ. So that carries some cachet when he walks into the general counsel of the FBI. Um, so he lied um, to, to the general counsel because he said he didn't have a client. Well, he did have a client. The client was Hillary Clinton or her campaign. And uh, he also failed to disclose that uh, they had been actively working to, for, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it, to fabricate the appearance of this back channel communication 
um, with Russia. I mean, it, you read the emails in that indictment. That's as damning as anything in there. I mean, they acknowledge that they're trying to fabricate a narrative that the Trump organization was had this secret communication with the Russian bank. So there's just no good way to spin this. This was a deliberate, the whole Russia collusion fiasco was a deliberate, fraudulent calculation. So the way he worked it was he goes ahead and he, um, the Clinton team, Clinton's team and Sussman hire this, um, they hired the political research firm and network of political operatives, GPS, right? That's run by this guy, Glenn Simpson, okay, who's uh, a former Wall Street reporter who's now using resources inside and outside the government uh, to, and they have access to FBI and NSA databases. Absolutely. They have access to inside stuff that, you know, most reporters do not. In no right. reporters do. OK. Right. And so they use all they gather all this fake information. They bring on these researchers and um, they're trying to find stuff. And some of the researchers are uncomfortable. Absolutely. With right. uh, what they're doing. But they they proceed anyway. And this connection, this very tenuous, it, it isn't even a real connection. The connection right. that they find is or they try and create as a uh, Trump and uh, the Russian bank is called Alpha or something. Yeah, Alpha Bank. Mm-hmm. And, and um, the tenuous connection that they try and put together is that the bank and, and Trump are in, in collusion, but it's through, and, and they have this, this net, the, um, the internet connection that they find is actually a mass marketing company right, right. that markets um, to, to the Trump hotels. You know, exactly. To, right, right. Exactly. Right. So that's all they can find. And then what happens? Sussman writes a white paper. Right. And here's what's interesting in the indictment. Talk about what they say in the indictment he does after he, he gives the white paper to these researchers to review to see <laughs> well first of all they don't put the names of any of the, of the authors on the white paper which is telling um and then they deliberately design the white paper according to the emails so that a security expert might find it plausible that somebody who specializes in dns technology i guess what's dns probably, technology uh domain name system. Right. Um, so somebody who's specialized, they acknowledge somebody who's familiar with that might spot the flaws in their argument. But if the white paper was just provided to your run-the-mill security analyst, they wouldn't see it. So, and it worked because, uh, you know, you give some guy at the FBI, he hands it over to his guys that are more savvy with tech and they read it and go, yeah, this sounds plausible. So it was, it was deliberately designed to deceive the FBI. It's just crazy. He says, um, I can't remember, but it's in, it's in the indictment how he hands it out to people and say, hey, you know, can you tell, basically, right. can you tell if this is a, a bogus uh, document or not? Right, right, yeah. Uh, okay, so then um, that that doesn't fly really. So he go, they, he goes to the FBI, but then then this April 2016 DNA, uh, you know, the, the uh, server DNC right. server is broken into. And what you sent me today was pretty amazing, which is um, the FBI gets Seth Rich's laptop yeah. a year later from, right. talk about that. Well, it, uh, you know, uh, uh, some guy, I, I got some documents from the FBI via FOIA and uh, Larry Beach, who's one of the guys that I work with informally uh, and some other guys on, on, on Twitter started analyzing one of those documents and they figured out that there was a redaction, actually two redactions 
And if you follow the size of the text and you insert, insert text in there, it fits perfectly with Michael Sussman. And yeah. so, you know, it's a compelling piece, piece of at least circumstantial evidence that Michael Sussman was the person uh, who was in possession of this laptop. Well, it says here, it says here, okay, it's one black Lenovo ThinkPad 440 laptop and uh, with paper tape to the top, identifying it as Seth Rich laptop, right? right. This is what it says here. And then there's, on t- along with the laptop comes a one-page letter from blank, blank of Perkins Coy. That's the, uh, yeah. the, and it was given to the FBI a year later, May 19th, 2017. So what was, what were they doing with that laptop for over a year? Well, that's the magic question. I mean, they could have been tampering with that thing, turning it inside out. And this, remember, this is the Hillary Clinton campaign, the same Hillary Clinton, uh, who's one of her other legal teams, destroyed 30,000 pieces of evidence covered by subpoenas. Um, so it's not as if these people are unwilling to destroy evidence. So I, you can't exclude the possibility that, that during the course of that year, they were wiping evidence off of that laptop. So meanwhile, they hire CrowdStrike, right? right. Um, and, and if I can, let me back up a little bit. Here's the other question, because clearly from the records that we belatedly received from the FBI, they were involved, very much involved in the investigation of Seth Rich or something involving Seth Rich. They knew these laptops were out there, both a work laptop and a personal laptop. So why do they sit on their hands for a year without getting this laptop? That, that, that does not make sense to me. And you're talking about the Washington office of the FBI. Is that correct? Well, it's, it's yeah, they seem to be leading the investigation, but you've got the, the office in Las Vegas involved. You got the office in San Francisco involved. This was a widespread investigation. And it, it, it's mind-boggling to me that, that you're looking at things pertaining to Seth Rich and you don't get both of his laptops. So what do you think about uh, the, the FBI um, legal counsel who basically reported that uh, Sussman was lying, you know, Sussman came in as a quote, good right. citizen. Right. Um, and then he exposes that Sussman lied about, you know, the fact that he was representing uh, Clinton's campaign, et cetera. Is he, do you think he's an honest broker? Absolutely not. No, I don't trust James Baker as far as I could throw him. Um, I think what happened here most likely is that Durham had enough dirt on Baker that he basically bent Baker over a barrel and said, you know, you need to cough it up. Okay, so let's talk about CrowdStrike and how CrowdStrike comes into this. This is after, you know, the uh, alleged Sussman, by the way, with Clinton hire, they they hire CrowdStrike. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the purpose of that um, undoubtedly was to, to keep all that information protected by attorney-client privilege because uh, if I, as an attorney, hire um, any kind of you know investigator, consulting firm to work with me on a case or work with me to represent a client, that's all covered by attorney-client privilege. Um, the exception here, there, well, there's what's called a crime fraud exception to attorney-client privilege, which I think is a case study, that phenomenon. Um, they were conspiring to deceive the government. Um, so, yeah. I don't think attorney-client privilege is going to go anywhere in this case. Okay, so they hire they hire CrowdStrike through with the attorney and right. um, uh, the DNC or Clinton's campaign. They hire. They also hire Fusion GPS. So right, and they yeah. yes, they hired Fusion GPS. Fusion GPS came up with the Steele dossier. And right. by the way, the interesting thing about Fusion GPS is working. With Fusion GPS, were um, let me see. There Bruce was and Nelly. Well, Nelly Orr, and indirectly, I'm sure Bruce, her husband. Okay, so Nelly Orr is CIA, right? 
I think she actually was an employee of my recollection was an employee of G, Fusion GPS, but she she certainly had some very high level security clearances. And then her husband Bruce Orr was uh, one time I think the number three at the Justice Department. It says here, and I'm trying to remember where I got this from. It says. Uh, Simpson assigned Russian expert and CIA research analyst Nellie Orr and her husband, Bruce Orr, number four ranking official inside the Department of Justice National Security Division. Okay, so um, and and those two contracted with Christopher Steele, Steele, I'm sorry. Right. Right. uh, You know, UK intelligence to come up with this, this bogus steel dossier. So, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if in, um, if in the, in the uh, indictment, uh, they talk about how uh, Sussman also went, they went to the FBI and then they went to another quote, unnamed government agency agency, outside of DC. DC. Who do you think well, I guess there's two, well, there's, there's two major possibilities, CIA and NSA, and I would lay money down that it's, it's CIA. Um, that's John Brennan's shop at the time. And John Brennan is, John Brennan's as crooked as a dog's hind leg. He's a political hack. Um, he's proven that re- repeatedly, a, a, a democratic partisan. Um, what's, what's disturbing to me, I, you know, is, is the level of official government involvement, um, even oh. outside of this case, if it's not, let's say it's not the CIA in this case, we already know from numerous other cases, uh, for example, P- Peter Strzok and Lisa Page were working on a CIA task force um, and basically building on this Russia collusion fabrication. Um, there, there's, a, there's a website that I follow pretty closely called the conservativetreehouse.com. And there's an author who goes by the pseudonym Sundance and he's, put forth a series arguing that there's a fourth branch of government, the intelligence branch. And I think he's absolutely right. It's preeminent over the other three branches. I mean, think about it. You've got the NSA sucking up every piece of data that goes anywhere in this country and and somewhere sometimes outside of this country. You've got a corrupt FBI that has access to that database. And you've got people like Nellie Orr, working for Fusion GPS, who presumably also has access to that database. So, I mean, the, the NSA, CIA, and the Clinton campaign are, are like that, um, which ought to be terrifying to anybody. Um, but, but going back to the NSA database, if, if you've got contractors like Nellie Orr, um, who can just tap into the NSA database and pull up dirt on anybody, um, I mean, you, me, of course, we're peons, so they don't care about us. Um, federal judges, members of Congress, cabinet secretaries. Let's remind our audience what happened when you FOIA'd the NSA for Seth Rich documents. What was the response that you got? Well, originally they told me that they gave me what's called a Glomar response. You know, we cannot confirm or deny. Um the, the FBI, on the other hand, flat told me they did not have any Sethridge documents. They had searched their index system, and there was nothing in there about Seth Rich. And that was in 2017. Well, um, things began to leak out, um, one of which was Judicial Watch had separately filed a FOIA for text communications between Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. And Loba and behold, in one of those text exchanges, they were talking about none other than Seth Rich. Um, around the same time, a, uh, a former assistant U.S. attorney who retired out of D.C., who had been assigned to the Seth Rich case, uh, runs her mouth during a Michael Isikoff interview and lets it be known that the FBI was, in fact, um, involved. So I... I took that information because I had originally filed a case in Brooklyn, a federal lawsuit, where they told me, oh, we don't have anything. Um, so when this, when this additional information came out, I refiled things um, through a friend of mine here in Texas. And the, and it kind of laid it out in the lawsuit. We already know you got the stuff, so don't lie about it. 
and the FBI. Is that is that an offense, a criminal offense at all, to lie about? Um, it's perjury having- because you know David Hardy, the infamous David Hardy, who's the section chief or was the section chief, the FBI in charge of FOIA requests, uh, submitted an affidavit and they put all this stuff in an affidavit. So I would say it's at least perjury and fraud on the court. Um, and yet the judge in Brooklyn just kind of shrugged and said, ho, home and dismissed the case. You know, well, that, that you know, going back to the point I made earlier, who knows whether somebody had tapped somebody at the FBI had tapped the NSA database. And I'm just I mean, I'm not saying this is what happened, but this is what could happen is that the FBI has its back against the wall. And the FBI can tap the NSA database and find out about any judge, any congressman, any cabinet secretary and say, hey, judge so-and-so, congressman so-and-so, guess what we've got here? You know, maybe you want to play ball with us. And again, well, I'm not I'm not saying that's what happened. I'll this. tell you what, I have done a lot of interviews on FBI corruption, and I have come to the conclusion that the FBI's the core of the FBI's power base is the blackmail material that Absolutely. it has gathered on power. And that people. goes back to J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, yeah. this is an institutionalized practice. I mean, Hoover was blackmailing presidents. Right. So why wouldn't the FBI keep doing this stuff? Right. Right. So, OK, so now you have Zrock and um, Paige who are inside the FBI who are you know, protecting, <laughs> protecting this narrative and helping move it forward. You've got Sussman also. They're, going- they're, they're carrying the ball for the Clinton campaign. Yeah. I mean, Page and Strzok are clearly Democratic partisans. And then and then you've got Sussman also going to the press and uh, putting it all out there. Then you've got Brennan and who else? Uh, you have Brennan and Woolsey. Yeah. Uh, and others, a, a former intelligence guys going out there and confirming this this Russian this Russian right. uh, collusion between this collusion between Trump and, and Russia. OK, so now CrowdStrike, you know, comes up with its with its conclusion. So talk about its conclusion and then talk about what happened when um, what's his name? Sean Henry, the president. Is it Henry? Sean Sean Henry, the president, then has to go and testify before the uh, Senate uh, judicial. Is it intelligence or judicial? I think it was Intel. That's my recollection. I'm pretty sure it was Intel. Okay, so so talk about that. Talk about. Yeah. So so uh, to my knowledge, never in the history of the FBI or the DOJ or any other federal law enforcement agency has the government allowed a, a quote unquote computer crime victim to conduct its own analysis of the, the hack. And in this case, the Democratic National Committee, rather than allow the FBI to come in and analyze it, the House servers, Intelligence Committee, it's the House okay. Intelligence House Intel. Um, so rather than allow the FBI's experts come in and look at the DNC um, servers to find out who hacked or purportedly hacked into the DNC servers, the FBI allows uh, the DNC to hire CrowdStrike. And so CrowdStrike comes in uh, and then produces this report, you know, claiming that there's clear evidence that the Russians hacked the DNC. And so DOJ and the FBI just take this as gospel and and believe act like they believe it's true. Well, as you already discussed, CrowdStrike, you know, is, is clearly a Democratic partisan organization. Um, but then when Sean Henry, the CEO, gets called before House Intel, he testifies I mean, when he's pressed on it, he testifies under oath that they don't have any, quote, concrete evidence that the Russians hacked the DNC. Um, oh, yeah, we have circumstantial, but we don't have concrete evidence. And he doesn't even talk about the circle. Does he talk about the circumstantial evidence? No, he doesn't go into detail. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, we know that in his in the report, there's references to, you know, these purported uh, contacts. I think Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear. Oh, yeah. The, Fancy Bear, whatever. Whatever. But I mean, I, well, I'll tell you something interesting. So I filed a FOIA request 
um, for any evidence that the CIA was responsible for fabricating Fancy Bear or Cozy Bear. And they gave me a Glomar response and said, we can neither confirm nor deny. Um, so that's pending in litigation right now. I've sued them to force them to turn that over. Um, but that is my strong suspicion that it wasn't just CrowdStrike. It was John Brennan's people at CIA. I mean, this was, a, you know, like I said, this was an integrated operation between the campaign, allied private companies and, and government agencies. And you know, there was a time, there was a time when that would have terrified Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Independents, Green Party alike. And now we've got, you know, roughly half the country that's just, you know, ho-hum, it happened. So what? It was justified. Men, you know, the ends justify the means. I find that so hard to, so hard to understand. Uh, it drives me crazy. So, so we have to, the timeline is important here because in May, in May of 2017, Sussman or Perkins Coy, somebody from there, gives the lab, Seth's laptop to um, the FBI. And just a few months later, in December, is when CrowdStrike goes before the House Intelligence Committee and, you know, is forced to admit that they don't have any concrete evidence. Right. You know, well, but and that was that was uh, that was a non-public hearing. So we did not know until what was it a year or more um well after the um the robert robert Mueller's special counsel investigation was closed um then finally this transcript was released where he's admitting they didn't have any concrete evidence and uh you know that alone should have shut down the, the Mueller investigation a whole lot earlier so talk about what you think is Mueller's role in this whole thing I don't think Mueller had much of an idea what was going on. Um, I mean, based on his testimony to Congress, I mean, he may be in the same boat as Joe Biden, which is to say he, I think, may be in cognitive decline. Um, but he had Andrew Weissman as his deputy, who is a rabid partisan, um, has a history of, of framing people. And so his deputy Weissman, I, I suspect, was actually running the shop. But that whole Mueller investigation, um, just like this Alpha Bank nonsense, was to create the illusion of corruption and, and collusion with Russia. That's the hurricane um, crossfire. Crossfire hurricane. Yeah. Crossfire so, hurricane. And, and that fraudulent investigation, I believe determine the outcome of the 2018 uh, congressional elections. It, it changed control of Congress. Let me um, ask you something. Is that fraud, waste, and abuse that taxpayer dollars were used on a bogus, bogus government investigation? I believe they, it was. Can a yeah. case be made for that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it could. And uh, and go, going back to some, some of this, well, this assessment indictment, I, as I was reading through it, um, I was thinking, well, what, where could, could, could Durham be headed with this? Because potentially you've got some limitations issues. A lot of federal criminal statutes have, have a five-year limitations period. And, and Andrew McCarthy has pointed out uh, correctly that uh, they had to get Sussman indicted lest the five-year limitations period play out. So, again, as I was reading the indictment, I was trying to figure out, well, where's he going with all this? Well, if, if the five-year limitations period is an issue, he can get around that um, with a RICO charge because even though the RICO charge also has a five-year limitations period, the, the last incident in the racketeering conspiracy is when the five-year period begins to run. So if the whole Russia collusion fraud was going on into 2018 and 2019, which it was, um, that there's not a limitations issue. So I'm wondering if he's trying to bring some racketeering charges against some of these people. Well, it's something that's glaringly obvious here. Right. Is Hillary Clinton's operation hired this guy uh, to do all these things. So Clearly. 
when does Hillary get indicted? Well, you know, I, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Like I said, you know, she, you know, there's, there's all this destruction of evidence, you know, 30,000 emails destroyed. I mean, she skates through everything. Um, I would like, I mean, how she, can she skate through this when, when she's, I mean, she's the head of the Clinton for president campaign. I mean, there's, right. there's no other head and, and she can't say that she doesn't know because as a matter of fact, one of the things that she does is um, she tweets and she takes she Jake's. What is it? Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about that. She she um, she tweets yeah. this thing statement from Jake Sullivan, a new report exposing Trump's secret line of communication to Russia. So she tweets that. Right. And I forget right. what her tweet says, but it basically says, oh, you know, look at this uh, collusion between between right. Trump, Trump and this Russian bank. So she's actually part of the PR machine. Really? Here. And, yeah. and, um, and and by the way, Jake Sullivan, who was her um, political advisor during her campaign, is now a national security advisor for Joe Biden. Right. So yeah. and I mean, obviously, her fingerprints. Are all over. Right. This indictment all over right. this indictment. Right. So how does she how is it possible to separate her from Sussman? I don't I don't I don't see well, how that's possible. I, I, I mean, the standard, as you know, the standard law enforcement and prosecutorial tactic is to start with a small fish and, and work your way up, you know, start with the, you know, the street level drug dealer, get him to turn in the mid level. Yeah. dealer, Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. So that may be, well be what's going on here with Sussman. Um, you know, I have to wonder though, is, is if Durham were to give any intimation that he was going after Ms. Hillary Clinton, um, would Merrick Garland allow that? Um, Merrick Garland, the current AG, uh, pointed by Why Joe not? Biden. Why not? Well, you know, and if not Washington, based on what? Washington, D.C. is the world's largest mutual blackmail society. Um, and there is no telling what Hillary Clinton has on Joe Biden or his son. Or, I, it's obvious what everybody has on Joe Biden and his son. Well, right. She, a, may ha- she may have more. You they know, had you know. a pay for play, you know. I mean, right. as, as his own son said, I'm, I make gazillions of dollars. Everybody knows I make gazillions of dollars. And, you know, I pay all my fa- my fa- all my father's bills. How does he make gazillions of dollars while snorting, you know, okay. while being a drug addict and so on? Uh, y- your father opens the doors with all his uh, with his VP Foreign connections, right? Connections. Right. And then you sail in and they pay you and then you pay your father's bill. I and mean, that pay your- for play is obvious. I was about to say to you, there are, or alternatively, you sell your crap pieces of art for half a million dollars. A piece. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's again, that's more more of the same, really. Right. More of right. the same. And and right. Clinton, of course, I mean, she their pay for play through the foundation has has not yet been addressed. But I'm wondering yeah. if there's coming a point because sometimes it happens, by the way, her tweet. Uh, about Jake Sullivan's uh, report uh, exposing the Trump. Her tweet was computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russia based bank. So here she pays for this bogus information. And then she tweets it saying that, you know, her policy. Oh, God, it's so disgusting. It is. It's so it's so third world, you know, the whole thing. Well, I mean, the Clintons have already gotten away with a lot, as as we know. But I'm wondering if there's going to come a time when the Clintons, you know, jump the shark and become legally vulnerable because uh, they're expendable now. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, Patrick Byrne has has said that he worked in an undercover operation, Operation Snow Globe, or he was in a CI working for the FBI to take arrange bribes to uh, Hillary Clinton. I don't know if that's true. I've actually FOIA'd the FBI records to see if that's true. Um, 
And, and supposedly this was being done because the Obama administration wanted blackmail on Hillary so that if she was elected, they could control her. I don't know. I don't know if it's true. Well, where are his documents? Does he not? I mean, he makes a claim. Doesn't he realize that you don't make a claim without having something to back it up? Well, that's what's frustrating. I mean, as you know, we both try to get burned to back that up. Um, and we, we both try to get burned to sign a privacy waiver to request these records from the FBI. And he balked at it. So that does yeah. call into question. The well, I mean, what he's saying. yeah, you know. Cough up or go away is, yeah, is, right, exactly. is what I think, is what I think. But, but going back to Hillary, Hillary Clinton, here's, here's something interesting. So if Trump had won a second term and John Durham was still a special investigator, there's the political question of whether the Trump administration, ironically enough, would have been willing, especially Bill Barr, would have been willing to indict Hillary Clinton. Because, you know, speaking of third world, there's, there's something decidedly third world about indicting your former uh, political opponents. So I think there, there would have been a lot more resistance in, inside the DOJ up to and including Bill Barr to go after Hillary. Uh, the, the question now is, is, has that changed? Because Merrick Garland, you know, is, is he willing to allow Durham to go wherever this leads? Because, and, and that raises another question. Did Durham issue such a broad uh, indictment for such a narrow offense because he was he was kind of protecting his turf and letting it be known that I've got all of this information out there. Um, and if you fire me now, it's going to look really fishy. Um, I don't know, but I think that's a plausible possibility. Well, but what does that mean moving forward? Does that mean, does that provide a small indication that maybe, maybe he would go after? I mean, how can you, you mentioned the, the Clinton presidential campaign over and over in an indictment. You mentioned right. that that they're the ones who hired this guy that you are now indicting right. for, you know, lying to the government and get, and and ha for having the government use its resources, you know, considered to look into something that's completely that you that you fabricated. So and, and you're doing it on behalf of your client, Hillary Clinton. How is it that Hillary Clinton does not become is not indicted as well? Right. Yeah. Great question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Clintons have gotten away with so much. Yeah. You know, years ago, I filed a bar grievance on Hillary Clinton you know, for destroying evidence and all this other stuff that she was involved in. And, you know, the Arkansas bar just completely whitewashed it, shut down the investigation, said, well, and part of the reason was they said, well, she's on inactive status. Well, as soon as that investigation was over and they dismissed everything, then she went back on active status in Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, well, Arkansas, let's let's face it. If you look at Mina and everything else, Arkansas was was run like a third world nation. Um, uh, you know, if you talk to Daniel Hopsicker, who has a, a, an investigative reporter who has done a lot on on drug dealing and so on. And he, of course, covered Mina and, you know, all that drug dealing was going on <laughs> at, at the Mina airport uh, while right. the Clintons, uh, Bill Clinton was governor. So clearly, I mean, there there there's. There are connections that that are made, at least, you know, Mina was in Arkansas. Yeah, and, the whole thing is very corrupt. Yeah, yeah. extremely corrupt. So um, and, and, you know, in Haiti, things happened in Haiti. I still have to look into that because a lot of money came in and not a lot of money was distributed. And, right. and Clinton was was in charge, actually put himself in charge of figuring out what to do with that money. OK, right. I mean, some crazy stuff. So. Um, but here, this is the first time that an indictment points so directly to her that has been filed, you know, by the government. That's what yeah, that's I find true. interesting. That's true. That's that's the so far. That's the nearest anybody has gotten uh, to just flat pointing the finger at Hillary and saying she's neck deep. I mean, he has said her campaign is neck, neck deep. He didn't name her personally. How can it? I'm sorry. I'm so, well, how can you not name her personally if you if it's her campaign? How, right. how can you not name her personally when it's her lawyer that she chose 
because you know what Hillary Hillary will go before you know Congress and she'll go I don't know I mean I yeah know. I hired him but I have no idea what he was doing and this right. you can't possibly know what he was doing first of all she was doing PR for it you know and and well you know who knows maybe maybe Sussman's the weak link you know maybe he's the one who's going to point the finger at Hillary and say yeah you know I met with a person I think I, well. He um, did he not mention something about that? I think isn't there some mention about that in in the indictment? I can't I can't. Remember. I don't recall any direct um, line being drawn to Hillary, but I mean I also cannot imagine that uh, that Sussman and and Mark Elias that we mentioned earlier that they would not have been at some point. You got to meet with a principal. You know, if you're handling a case of that magnitude, you're going to meet with the principal who is, in this case, Hillary Clinton. So, well, and also who's also paying a ton of money out of her campaign funds. She is. Precious and campaign you, funds. I'll tell you where you, we, we will find the answer or hopefully John Durham will give us the answer. And that is in the billing records of uh, Perkins Coey, because uh, it's very likely that if they met with Hillary Clinton, they're going to mention that in their billing records. And as we already discussed, you know, there's, there's not going to be any uh, uh, attorney-client privilege here based on the allegations of fraud and criminal activity. So John Durham, I strongly, strongly suspect, already has those billing records, and he knows whether or not Mark Elias um, and, and, and Sussman met with Hillary Clinton in person. So let's, let's talk about the fact that you're one of – like two lawyers that I, I don't know of any others who are trying to get to the bottom of Seth Rich's um, death and who through your FOIAs and your, you know, your legal work trying to, and representing uh, certain clients, uh, you know, have raised questions and come up with uh, information that strongly indicates that this was not just a, you know, a robbery gone wrong. So could you talk about that and, and then talk about why what we've just been discussing is germane to that? Yeah. So the Sethridge story was the most radioactive subject matter you could possibly talk about with with perhaps the exception of Pizzagate. Um, I mean, even in Republican circles, you were a kook. You know, if you brought up anything about Seth Rich and suggested he was the source of the leak, you were a conspiracy. You know, never mind that Michael Isikoff and the Andy Kroll at Rolling Stone and Oliver Darcy at CNN are going to paint you as a crackpot if you dare to discuss this issue. Um, people in the Republican Party are going to treat you like a nut. And, and my clients, and to some extent, I experienced that. I mean, talk about was, who your tell, tell us who your client is. And yeah, so so my main client was and is Ed Butowski, um, who is who's a money manager here in, in Texas. And uh, he uh, he kind of got involved indirectly. And he was Ellen Ratner, uh, who's a journalist, formerly worked at Fox. Um, got and Ed involved in this stuff, and he Ellen Ratner met with Julian Assange. Julian Assange told Ratner about this uh, Seth Rich stuff. She relays it to Ed. Tries to get Ed to use some of his Jewish connections because the Riches are Jewish. Ed's Jewish. Reach out to their synagogue. Relay this information to the Riches. He does that. Wait a minute. What's the information though? That information. Yeah, the information from Julian Assange is that uh, the source of the leaks or the source of the information, the DNC information, was not Russia, that it came from Seth Rich. And even publicly, um, Assange went on a Dutch television station and said they were offering a $20,000 reward uh, for information about the death of Seth Rich, which they had never done before. Um, And he all but said in that interview that Seth Rich was the source of the information. Um, what was fascinating to me is we were trying to get House Intel or somebody to go interview Assange. And to my knowledge, nobody ever went to interview Assange. And 
I, you know, I, I was personally trying to get information to Devin Nunez. I actually did get some information to, to Devin Nunez. And again, it was just like, you have to every, identify Devin Nunez. Yeah. I'm sorry. He was the, the ch- chairman of the house intelligence committee. Um, and he just, he didn't want to get involved. Uh, even John Durham's investigation, at least at one point, uh, I had, I had sent them information about Seth Rich, got some pushback from one of the agents and I, and told him, look, this goes to the core of the Russia collusion fiasco. Um, the the uh, the NSA would have intercepted any communications with with um, between Seth Rich and Assange or WikiLeaks, so the information would be there. Um, so maybe. Maybe Durham is going to explore that angle. I hope so. Judicial Watch, Judicial Watch. By the way, I I, forget, I think we didn't mention that. One of the things they got back was um, information about the NSA saying that uh, some of the information they had on Seth Rich was national security uh, was uh, could not be released for national security reasons. Correct. I don't think that was Judicial Watch. I mean, I had some similar requests like that. Okay. Um, well, yeah, in, cool. in fact, it's, it's funny you mentioned Judicial Watch because at one point they said, oh, we're going to go after this Seth Rich stuff. They didn't. I mean, they let Were you there. the one who got that information? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, so this, you got, this, you, you got this, documents from NSA basically saying some of this stuff we're not releasing to you because it's national security sense. Well, it wasn't even that it's, we're not even going to acknowledge, you know, that we've got this stuff. So, oh. um, well, didn't yeah, it so, say we have a, a certain number of pages that are pertinent? Oh I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes. So I filed a request for any correspondence with Congress. Um, and they came back and said they had 22 pages of correspondence with Congress about Seth Rich, but they weren't going to release it. Um, so, you know, I may I made Durham's people aware of it. Going back to Judicial Watch, I mean, this, this is just how radioactive Seth Rich was. You know, is. Judicial Watch, or is, right, is. Um, Judicial Watch originally said, oh, they were going to go after it. They didn't. They didn't touch it, you know. Yeah. Um, so so here you've got even Judicial Watch that does not want to touch this story. And uh, OK, that, so so now you have NSA saying, <clears throat> oh, yes, we have information but um, that we gave, I guess, to Congress, right? Right. right. But, you know, and and it's interesting because who at Congress would have received that information? Well, you know, my suspicion is it was, it was probably fairly benign and uh, it was, it was probably a denial, you know, oh, well, you know, we're not aware of anything like that. If it was a denial, why would that be national security sensitive? Well, you government agencies misuse misuse the uh, national security exemption every day um they they overclassify documents routinely fbi is infamous for that so that would well, not, not only that job. when when they do release when the fbi i've had that i've seen that in in other cases when they release documents they release a bunch of documents that are either so heavily redacted i yes. mean in, in the dump that you reported on in um, was it last year you reported on a dump and of Seth Rich materials I went through it and everything's redacted why is it redacted if Seth Rich was just murdered innocent you know by some thugs or something you know it it makes no sense unless you connect it to his computer and and what the uh, veterans veterans VIPs, Veteran Intelligence right. Professionals for Sanity. Sanity right. If you look at their technical um, the technical analysis, who, saying that basically it was downloaded onto a thumb drive or something, given right. the the speed at which the information was taken out, but it was not, and also that it was not taken out remotely. So right. again, all that is not visited in here in this indictment because this indictment is focusing on the made up. Uh, you know, the, the, the made up um, a narrative and the fact that they, you know, a lawyer lied to the FBI, you know, and took that lie to the press and made it, you know, public and, uh, you know, caused the FBI to start a bogus investigation. Right. You know? 
So, and, okay. So now the other interesting thing about all this. If if I may, you reminded me of something about the redactions. Um, I mentioned my client, Ed Butowski. Um, There's another uh, person by the name of Matt Couch, who's been very active in the Seth Rich investigation. And so I asked the FBI, after I got this, I got a tip that both Matt Couch and Ed Butowski had been surveilled um, wow. as part of this stuff. So I requested information on that from the FBI and the NSA. Um, the FBI originally said they wanted to produce. So, so uh, let me back up. So I, the FOIA request sought all the information from the FBI pertaining to Russia collusion, which was going to be a lot of pages. And the FBI said they had three pages related to Ed Butowski and, and Matt Couch, any surveillance. So the FBI proposed that they take 83 years to produce all of these documents about Russia collusion. And then at the end of that 83 years, they produced the three pages about Matt Couch and Ed Butowski. So we had a court hearing on that. I said, this is nuts. The court agreed. The FBI um, was ordered to turn turn these pages over, and they did. And they did. the entire page of all three pages is blacked out. Every single page. Oh wow, that's and, that's a FOIA fu if I ever saw one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, oh wow. And so I mentioned that I wow. submitted this this the same request to the NSA. Well, the NSA came back with that one of those Glomar responses. We cannot confirm or deny. And the exemption they cited was exemption B1, which is national security. So when the FBI produces these three pages, they did, they blanked them all out, but they never said anything about national security. The NSA is saying we won't even confirm or deny because it's national security. So why is surveilling Ed Butowski in Plano, Texas, or Matt Couch in Arkansas, why is that a matter of national security? Exactly. And yeah, I mean, they just they make this stuff up. Now, let, let's let's just remind the audience that what happened was Ellen Ratner. I, why did you uh, Ellen Ratner asked um, Ed to do this because Ed was Jewish? Yeah, I mean, look, have you tell she, she asked she asked Ed to tell on behalf of Assange to tell right. uh, Seth Rich's parents that um, Seth was involved Set, he got the stuff, the DNC documents from Seth. Right. And, and, and so he, he makes the call. And right. the parents actually tell him, oh, we already know. Yes, that's, that's, it. that's been Ned's testimony, the Joel. And, and the reason why Assange gave that information to, wanted to give that information to the riches was because he thought it might be germane to his murder. Exactly. In other words, his murder might be connected to him right. having taken the DNC uh, material and sending right. it to Assange. Okay, so that's the connection, the whole connection to what we're talking about now. So, so Batowski then gets in trouble for right. making this public, right? right? Right. He get even though, you know, when he spoke to the parents, by the way, the pa- he said, you know, he said, why don't you do an investigation into your son's murder? They said, we don't have money. And he ended up hiring an investigator and things got complicated from there. But the bottom line is the riches at that time told them, told him, yes, we know. Yes, we know. And now, now, where are the riches? Talk about that. Yeah. So according to Ed, um, not long after he helped him try to try to hire an investigator. Um, there was a, a PR spokesman whose name now escapes me, Brad something, um, who was a oh, was that Brad Fried, Friedman or something? Uh, the uh, Washington, he was a Washington Post. Uh... Well, he wasn't a reporter. He's a PR guy in D.C. OK. And worked exclusively for Democratic uh, candidates or, or public officials. And and according to Ed, Joel Rich told him that that this PR guy had been assigned to them by the DNC. Right, right. Um, and then shortly after that, all of a sudden, um, the riches had become completely uncooperative. 
they at least with Ed or their private investigator, and then and then, then they they turn turn on it ultimately sue Ed Brad Bauman Bauman thank you I cannot Brad Bauman Brad yep. Bauman so it all it all changed about the time that Brad Bauman um, was purportedly signed to the riches um, my strong suspicion has been for a long time. Um, I can't prove this. So at this point, I'll say it's a suspicion uh, is that they, they changed their story um, under, well, I, I thoroughly believe they changed their story under duress. So that change, that raises the question, well, what kind of duress were they under? Um, uh, we, we have some of the litigation that went back and forth alleged that Seth Rich's brother, Aaron helped facilitate um this transfer of information in fact ed my client uh, has testified that joel rich told him when ed said you know that assange um or relate a message blah 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 that joel rich told ed i know what my sons plural did and so i strongly suspect that the dnc you know DOJ, National Security Apparatus, said to the riches, you're, you're going to play ball with us or Aaron may be prosecuted. Um, that's, that, to me, is the most plausible explanation for why the riches did a 180 and started suing the people who tried to help them. Well, uh, and I, let's, I, let's be clear. This is the couple that couldn't afford an investigation into the murder of their own son, but now they can afford these heavy duty uh, law firms that represent the Democratic Party and the DNC, they can now uh, they now have their representation practically mm -hmm. full time to and, and part of what they do. I mean, Brad Bauman. Right. Didn't he he went after um, he said, you know, he sued everybody that he said was defaming him. OK, yeah, well, we sued him, too. You know, yeah, oh, you did. Yeah, what happened we there? Well, all of that ended up having to be dismissed, uh, uh, largely because of Fox News. That's that's another story. That's uh, you know, Fox News had this story and originally reported it, and all of a sudden they pulled the story down, turned on their own people, turned against Ed Ed Butowski, my client. Um, that's that's a whole other story that that someday is going to have to be written. Um, according to my client, uh, Ed Butowski, he was present when a, a Fox manager received a phone call saying that Catherine Murdoch wanted the story taken down. Well, you know, Catherine Murdoch is, uh, she's, she's large and of, in charge. Yeah. yeah. She's, you know, she's a daughter-in-law of Rupert Murdoch, but contrary to what most people think of it being uh, conservative or Republican, I mean, Rupert may be, but Catherine certainly is not uh, served in a role with the Clinton Foundation. Um, so that's a whole angle that's never really been explored. Oh, she's and connected. She has a role or connected to the Clinton Foundation. I want to say she served on a board or maybe it was, oh. it was something, something related to the Clinton Foundation. But in any event, you know, Fox uh, demanded that that in order to settle, well, they basically demanded that everything go away. Um, and I can't go into details about that because some most of that's confidential. But um, yeah, Fo Fox did not have clean hands and all of this. But it goes back to the point that I was making earlier. At, this story became so radioactive that. You know, not only did Fox run away from it, but the Washington Times ran away from it. The Washington Examiner wouldn't touch it. New York Post wouldn't touch it. I mean, there were only just a handful of bloggers that would even cover this stuff. Because, yeah, and, that, and that's, I said from the outset, that this was the, the Democratic strategy was to sue everybody in the silence. And, and in some of the media coverage, they, they kind of alluded to that, that they didn't come out and say it, but they alluded to their, that strategy and it worked. You know, they started off, they sued the Washington Times into submission. They sued Fox News into submission. And so then they subpoenaed, they subpoenaed everybody. They subpoenaed oh, yeah. uh, veteran intelligence professionals. We yeah. want 
everything that you have, all information that you have. I mean, they they really they they did. They went after everybody again with seemingly an unlimited budget. Yeah, well, and that's the thing you asked about how the riches afforded these lawyers. Well, it's simple. They weren't paying the bills. Um, you know, whether it was the DNC or whether the firms were just doing it on a contingency or pro bono. I mean, these are firms that normally wouldn't do this something like this on a contingency and probably not on a, on a pro bono basis. Um, so, and, and I mean, it wasn't just one firm. This was multiple, you know, big law firms affiliated with the Democratic Party. Um, and it, it was a full-on war to kill this story, and it largely succeeded. As I mentioned, you know, a lot of most conservatives didn't want to touch the story anymore. Based on this indictment, what possible openings do you see for shedding more light on the Seth Rich murder? Um, I'm not going to put my faith in Durham just yet. Um, you know, I've, I've got these FOIA cases going. And I think we have steadily eroded and or destroyed the credibility of the FBI. So I think that's where I'm focusing my attention. But, hey, if John Durham wants to make my job easier, more power to him. Um, I, I'm hoping that's what he does, um, because, as I said, I, I gave him a ton of information. There's investigators, a ton of information and said, look, if you want to find out what the heart of collusion is, or the Russian collusion fraud is you've got to you've got to look at Seth Rich.